What's possible if you let go of the shoulds, right wrongs, and supposed tos? What could you create? Who would you get to be? And what would you experience as a leader, parent, colleague, or whatever hat you're wearing? What qualities would you bring to the space? This podcast will invite and empower you to step over the idea of waiting for tomorrow or for someday and begin today of foraging hand in hand with your fear, your first bold leaps towards the life, team, or business that truly fills you up and inspires you. Hi, I'm your host, Rebecca Zimmerman, executive life and leadership coach and recovering perfectionist. If you believe it's time to step out of the rat race and into your own success on your own terms, you're in the right place. Welcome to Trailblazing Growth. Welcome back. Today, we're here to chat about addressing the elephant in the room. And what is the elephant? So this is a fundamental skill that you develop. It's a lot like riding your bike, like I talked about in episode one. And riding your bike for the first time, you might fall, you might skin your knees, you might have training wheels at first. And after you get out of the training wheels, then you learn to maybe take your hands off the handlebars and you ride with no hands. And eventually you can start hopping curbs or you can hold something in your lap while you're riding a bike. And so it eventually turns into this art form that started from infancy. You didn't even know how to ride a bike. Maybe you read some books about how to ride a bike, but you had to get your hands dirty in order to develop the skill. It didn't matter how many books about riding a bike that you've read. Getting your hands dirty is what actually developed your capacity and the art and the skill of riding the bike. So when you first jump on the bike, there's a risk, right? Especially if there's other people watching you jump on the bike. And maybe you're an older person jumping on the bike for the first time. And you know other people already know how to ride a bike. They've, you know, they're in races, they're in triathlons, they they know how to ride a bike. And so there's a risk there. When you're trying something new and you're building a new skill, there's a risk. And as a leader, it's leaning into that risk when you're addressing the elephant in the room, which is a skill. So the risk can vary from person to person. The risk could be looking foolish because others that are your age already know how to do it and they do it just fine and they've developed the art form. There's the risk of reputation from your performance. Maybe you didn't perform very well. Again, it's kind of that training wheels versus hopping the curb. It's risking skinning your knees and getting hurt. It's risking losing out on a relationship and et cetera, et cetera. So it varies from person to first person as to what the risk is. So like any skill with more practice, you gain the art. And when you see others making the art and maybe you're at training wheel, like the beginning phases, that's where comparison can step in. And comparison can be a really slippery slope for your fear to get hooked and really make it all about the performance, which makes you want to swim in that smaller pond and not risk yourself. So, but staying with the theme of addressing the elephant in the room, what is it? What is the elephant? Why address the elephant? How do you know it's an elephant in the room before you're speaking? What happens if you don't address it? Who should address it? 
All of the questions show up because you're risking something. You, as leader in the moment, don't know what will or won't happen, and you're in a vulnerable place. It's dangerous. It's risky. And a lot of people avoid this, and they get more and more books. They listen to more and more podcasts about like how to do this the right way to reduce the risk. But when you jump on a bike, you might just skin your knees. So we're going to talk about how it works, why bringing up the elephant in the room is important, how to practice addressing it, and the mess that might ensue, which is why people avoid it. So what is the elephant in the room? The elephant is this unspoken mutual agreement to not talk about something. It's what's in the space, what's inside of the space when there's relationship, there's people there. The space is whatever collective energy is in the room and in the relationships with the people in the room as a collective body. But the people in the room and in the relationships, they're not talking about it. They're pretending like it's not there. They're not saying anything. So then they're coping with it. They're dealing with it. And if they do say something, it's typically one of those water cooler conversations that happen before or after the meeting, which that's actually called back channeling, if you're familiar with that. And when people are talking about the elephant in the room off to the side during that back channeling conversations, that's further perpetuating and making that elephant get even bigger. So... Effectively, everyone feels something. It's kind of like you can cut the air because it's 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 so thin. Like you can there's like you can pierce the veil of the energy in the room. That's how you know the elephant's there, but nobody's saying anything. And some examples of what an elephant could be, it could be there's divisiveness between coworkers. But when They come into the meeting with everybody as a collective body. Everybody can feel it, but nobody's saying anything. They're sitting at opposite sides of the room. They look down or roll their eyes when the other person says says something. So that's an example of an elephant. Or I like to call this one the sacred cow. That's where there's this older guy in the meeting who always cracks inappropriate jokes about race or sex or just something like you name it. And everyone just kind of rolls their eyes or looks down or gives like this soft chuckle or just says like, oh, that's John. And that's just what he does. But the behavior is stealthily damaging the connection with the people in the room. And because it's offending people, but nobody's saying anything. That's the elephant. And what happens is people are looking down and, or I've also seen like people conveniently needing to get up to go to the bathroom, go to their office, or this can show up at home between two working parents and you're trying to navigate your kid's schedule. So the elephant can really show up anywhere. It attaches to relationships. It's that thing that everyone walks around, knows that they're walking around it, yet pretends it's not there. They're not addressing it. It's that thing that we all feel and we all sense. It's the energy shift in the room. But there's a collective agreement. Like Everybody knows to not go there. We're not going to touch that. And it's because if you touch it, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be friction. There's going to be confrontation. And us as humans, we naturally avoid conflict. We would rather stay comfortable. We would rather stay in our comfort zone because that's what's natural. People don't like to go against the grain. They like to go with the grain. And what do other humans make it about those types of people who go against the grain, which then further perpetuates 
I don't want to go against the grain because people don't like it when people go against the grain. So we keep walking around this thing and it's comfortable. Then why address it and upset the apple cart? Why go against the collective agreement and why not just keep avoiding it? So what happens if it's not handled? It's, it becomes dysfunctional and inefficient with actions. An example could be beating around the bush, so to speak. We have to spend more time getting to the same destination. We have to spend more time coming to the same conclusion or the same commitment of action. It's exhausting. It's fatiguing because we have to keep walking around this bush before we get to the same spot. So it's efficient with workflow because you're collectively agreeing to take this detour to avoid taking the straight line from here to there. And everybody can see the straight line and everybody knows they're taking this detour. So the elephant is effectively sabotaging collaboration, creativity, and connection that could take place in that space. But instead, everybody's doing this detour. I see this a lot within boardrooms. The CEO is avoiding something within his or her team of people, and the board members keep accepting the statement from the CEO, which is, this is just how people are. This is just how it is in today's workforce culture, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, the CEO is kind of finger pointing to his or her team, to the board, and the board then accepts that. And then they just kind of solve the symptoms rather than the issue. And the issue is the CEO handling the team dynamic to shift away from whatever is in the space to solving the symptom instead. And maybe the symptom is these things aren't getting done on time or they're not done with the same quality. So the board would choose to, you know, find new resources or exhaust other resources to kind of fix the symptom. So that's one example of the dysfunction and inefficiencies that this causes. And it becomes this collective agreement to continue not going there and do this other thing instead over here. It's a detour. So then it perpetuates this kind of waiting game. I see this. And they see this, but I'm just going to wait for them to say something or they're waiting for me to say something. So there's kind of this waiting game between the two of us, or I'm going to actually wait to say something in the future and I'll address this next time this happens or when it gets worse. It's in this waiting place. And it actually makes me think of that Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You'll Go. And there's like two pages on the waiting place. And it's like waiting for your hair to grow and all of the things. And um, I actually just skip over that page because I hate the waiting place that much. Anyways, back to back to the topic. The other thing that this causes by not addressing the elephant in the room. So what happens if this isn't handled? It fosters lack of trust. It fosters resentment. It fosters frustration. It fosters resignation. So if you're collectively not talking about something, then the relationships falter. Relationships are built on intimacy, like not intimacy, meaning like in between the sheets intimacy, but there's intimacy in relationships. Relationships foster because of intimacy. That's truly seeing the other person and the other person truly seeing you being seen and heard and vice versa. That's what intimacy kind of is in a nutshell. So the less action that's being taken on this elephant in the room, the more trust falls apart. It shifts 
from who we're being, like, it's a sense of who we're being. And if we're being willfully blind in this one place, but then we're kind of being clear over there, it doesn't work that way. The willful blindness that's happening in front of this elephant in the room cascades into every other place that we're being with these same people. So it doesn't matter if, let's say, you have intimacy with your colleague about, like, maybe they're sharing stuff with your their marriage with you, but then in this meeting over there, you're being willfully blind and you can see there's a disconnect of int- intimacy in that situation. It does, like, intimacy doesn't work that way in regards of relationship and true collaboration and true connection. Because what eventually happens, as Brene Brown puts it, it's the braving trust. In order to build trust, there's the braving component. That's boundaries, reliability, accountability, being a vault for confidentiality, integrity, non-judgmental, and generous. And so when the leader is not addressing the elephant in the room, boundaries, the, the boundary pillar is missing. This is okay. This is not okay. And When the boundary is there and it keeps getting crossed, that boundary pillar is missing within trust. Reliability isn't there. This person keeps not handling this elephant in the room. So they're no longer being seen as a reliable person. So even though I might be sharing something with you about my marriage over here, I'm still seeing the lack of boundaries, the lack of reliability over here. So trust is being disassembled. Accountability isn't there. When you say you're going to do something, you're not going to do something, that is that is the intrinsic nature of lack of accountability, which is a pillar of trust. And finally, integrity isn't there. It's when your intentions, your speaking, and your actions are all in alignment. That's what integrity is. So if one of those are in misalignment, hey, I really want to connect a team, and I intend for that, I speak it, but my actions are inconsistent with that, that's a lack of integrity. So that's when the integrity pillar is missing. So by not handling the elephant in the room as the leader, you're actually deconstructing trust. And these are the pillars that are falling apart. So when there's lack of trust, that leads to more armor that people are wearing around you. When people are wearing more armor, that leads to lack of intimacy, which then creates the inefficiencies as people are guarded and they don't trust you, they don't trust the system, there's lots of lack of trust, there's more detours, there's more stops to ensure trust. So it, it creates incredible inefficiencies. Again, I've seen this in boardrooms when something does get addressed, then the heads go down. Or the thing, the elephant gets addressed in the room, but then like the leader, the CEO becomes emotionally charged, like emotionally fueled with like this negative reaction, causing the person who addressed the elephant in the room to eventually choose to not speak about it anymore and to kind of go along with the collective agreement. And, you know, and there's this kind of nuanced training of that person of how to be in this room. And the way to be in this room is being complacent, is to be quiet, is to be small. And so that's the nuanced training of that person who said something. So if you bring this up, the negativity will ensue. So I better not bring this up. So what happens? Finally, this leads to frustration, which grows into resentment and finally grows into resignation. And resignation can look like 
they don't give an F anymore. So your impact players who were kind of your A plus impact players, star players are now kind of averaging a C, maybe a C minus, or it's literally your good people, your impact players resigning, meaning they're leaving and they're going somewhere else. So it's something like, hey, I'm performing at my peak and this other person isn't and nothing is happening to them. And now I can even address it because like kind of this atomic bomb happens. So this totally sucks. So that's where the anger, the frustration leads to resignation. This also, if you don't handle the elephant in the room, this also creates a barrier to the leadership as it becomes a stop for them as a leader and it becomes a stop for you as a leader. It's a limitation of development as a leader. If they're given feedback and they blow up, that's a hard stop for them. That's a limitation. And you're creating this space where people don't give you feedback because the reaction is really punitive. There's a lot of collateral damage that ensues. So the impact is not only on the team walking around the detour, but it impacts the leader's effectiveness and the willingness of the team or the mentor or the coach to provide feedback to the leader, which stifles the leader's development and your development as you see the stop. So incredible inefficiencies, incredible dysfunctions that lead to just toxicity. So how do you address the elephant in the room? The more and more you practice addressing it, just like the more and more you practice riding a bike, the more and more nuanced you can get at noticing what the elephant is and how to address it and handle it. So when you do address it, people will hear you. Just like when you first get on the bike, you might have your training wheels on. And then eventually you're that person who's holding something in your hand, not holding onto the handlebars and hopping that curb. It's like an art form. The more and more practice creates more and more art. So the first step is noticing what you see. What do you see? What's the experience you're having with them in this space? Maybe your spouse is getting all of the things done for the family like they've agreed to, but you're noticing that they're quiet and closed off. Maybe they're feeling resentful because they're feeling unnoticed, undervalued, or their efforts are unreceived. So that's the thing in this space. And the quicker that you can identify kind of this undercurrent nuance that's happening, the less of the atomic bombs will go off. And, you know, it's basically the sooner you can handle what's in the the space, the more you can avoid the frustration, the resentment, and everything, you know, we talked about before. So while you're doing this practice of noticing what's in the space and speaking to what's in the space, like, hey, I noticed you're quiet and kind of closed off. Like that's kind of the elephant in the room. And the story you're making up is maybe they feel undervalued. Maybe they feel unnoticed. Maybe they feel unacknowledged. That's the story you're making up. And then you say it to them. And when you're practicing this skill set, when you're on, when you have the training wheels on, you need support. You need ontological support. That means somebody is helping you distinguish the undercurrent of what's actually happening so you can bring it to the surface. It's getting support of noticing who the people are being in the room with you that are creating and perpetuating the elephant in the room. It's getting support noticing that and getting support handling it. And then it's getting support with 
the reactions that will ensue because reactions will ensue. And that ontological support can be a coach, it can be a mentor, it can be a leader. So when you're in that space, so you've noticed what's in the space, you've kind of identified what you're experiencing in the space, then it's your responsibility, it's your responsibility, you notice this, it's your responsibility to address it in the space. And then it's the willingness to be with the discomfort of the mess, which is the conflict which is being scared that somebody is not going to like you or that you're going to lose them and lose the relationship in the process. That's that risk that we were talking about earlier. That's that discomfort. It's it's standing in the face of what you're scared of and you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how they're going to react because you can never really predict how somebody reacts because you have no control over it. So when we're not addressing the elephant in the room, effectively, it's avoiding the breakdown And that's the collective agreement in the room. Like, we don't want this breakdown to happen. We don't want this tension. We don't want this friction. So we're going to collectively agree without saying anything. And and we're going to pretend like this thing doesn't exist. And so it's standing in that mess. It's creating, it's causing that breakdown to happen and be in that mess. Which is why we as humans love how-tos. Tell me how to do this and I'll go ahead and do this. Because if I know how to do this, then I can avoid this ugly thing from happening or avoid this mess from happening and really take the risk out. But as a leader, you're constantly needing to be courageous. And to be courageous, that means there's danger. That means there's risk. That means there's vulnerability. And to try to get the perfect how-to to to avoid that risk, that's not how leadership works. Leadership is taking risks and being with people in the unknown. So despite all of the books out there addressing, you know, how to handle this and giving you all the how-tos, which ironically, I understand this podcast episode is doing that, you know, but it's, it's really encouraging you and inviting you and empowering you to practice to get out there and practice saying what you see and getting support during the practice. When we avoid the breakdowns, we're avoiding the possibility on the other side of that breakdown. And that possibility is called the breakthrough. And so ask yourself, like, what's the lesson that you want to learn by leaning into this discomfort and causing this breakdown on purpose and standing in the mess on purpose? So very few leaders intentionally do that. Because again, we as humans like to avoid things that are uncomfortable. Or if we see something uncomfortable, like we run at it and kind of just brace ourselves for impact. And again, that kind of falls on deaf ears. It kind of comes off as defensiveness and it's it's equally as ineffective as avoiding it altogether. So when you have the breakdown, when you're standing in the breakdown, it's going to drive stuff up in people. It's going to drive their stuff up. And their stuff can be blaming, it can be defensiveness. And it's all a part of the mess that people are avoiding, which is why people are avoiding it. People don't want to be blamed. People don't want to be, you know, put on the defense. So they avoid it. So the breakthrough that's actually available by addressing the elephant in the room is more trust, which is funny because if you avoid handling the elephant, the thing that you create is lack of trust. The thing that you create is frustration. The thing that you create is resignation. 
So the breakthrough available is the complete antithesis of that. It's building more trust. It's building more connection. It's building more intimacy. It's building more functionality and health for actions and for team overall. So the only way to develop this skill is to practice and ideally get support in the process, again, from a coach, a leader, a mentor. And when you're speaking to what's in the space, you really want to enroll the other people in the room to what you're saying so they actually hear you. Get clear, like clear your head for yourself first. Dispel all of your judgments that you have because again, you're human and the first thing that you do is you dip into judgment and clearing that all out. And again, get some support here. So after you yourself are clear, you want to enroll them into what you're saying so they actually hear you. Be willing to be with the reaction because there's going to be a reaction from others. So be willing to be with the reaction with those in the space and be with them on a human level. Bring humanity into the room. If you've already cleared yourself, then that gives you greater capacity to be with that other human's reaction. If you haven't cleared yourself, if you have your own judgments that are festering inside of your head and then they have their reaction, it's really easy to dig your heels in in opposition to them. And then like you both are digging your heels in and that's equally as dysfunctional. And then that perpetuates the whole We have to avoid bringing the elephant in the room because we want to avoid this dichotomy that's happening, this dysfunction that's happening, this digging of the heels that's happening. And when you're enrolling them into this, maybe the person is in the room that's kind of festering this elephant. Maybe they are the elephant. Maybe they're the person that's not really getting their stuff done and nobody's really talking about it. Be willing to acknowledge them for who they're being. Maybe this person is, you know, perpetually not taking on more projects, but like their team, that their teammates are. And so really acknowledge them for who they're being of like not overloading. Who does a person have to be when they're intentionally not overloading themselves? Like I would say that person would have to be, have lots of integrity. The person would have to be aware. The person would have to be courageous in order to not take on more projects. The person would have to be really in tune with their own capacity. So really acknowledge them first as to who they're being. And when you're acknowledging them, you're enrolling them into having this conversation because you're seeing the gold that they actually bring the space, the gift that they're actually providing the team. And then speak to the vision that you have for the future possibility. And it's something completely different than what's happening here. You're speaking to this future vision, this bigger vision, and you have energy that matches the vision. And then you speak to the possibility that you see for them if they were also aligned with your vision. And then speak to what you see and you feel in the room right now. So you've acknowledged them, you've spoken about your vision, you've spoke about the possibility you see for them, And then you speak to the elephant in the room. Hey, and then this is what I'm seeing here. This is what I'm feeling here. This is what I'm experiencing here. And the story that I'm making up in my head or the imagination that I'm I'm having right now is like, this is kind of the undercurrent. And then give them space to react and then hold them with that same energy you had when you started. So a few practices to walk away from this episode is notice when you're walking around something. 
Notice when you're avoiding something. And then after you start really noticing and gaining that awareness, practice, start bringing whatever you're noticing to the forefront. It could be as as small or as large as you want. To learn to ride a bike, you start with training wheels. You start with that balance bike nowadays. And then eventually you grow into the art form. So that's where the training wheels are of noticing what you're walking around and then take the training wheels off and start bringing that to the space. Start telling people what you are experiencing. Because when you speak about what you are experiencing, you have full authority over your experience. But when you start saying you are doing this, you are doing that, you start finger pointing and blaming and that's when their heels will start digging in. And that's where their blaming and defensiveness will start digging in. So a few practices for you. This is why leadership is not easy and you have to cause leadership to happen on purpose. So get out there and practice and get support through community. All right, that's all I have for today. Thanks so much for listening. Keep trailblazing growth and taking those bold leaps. If you'd like to connect, send me an email to coach at trailblazersgrowth.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at trailblazersgrowth. Finally, make sure to check out my website, trailblazersgrowth.com for all details about individual coaching and upcoming group programs. See you next time.